Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Compressed FM, a podcast all about web development and design with a little bit of zest. In this episode, we're going to have our amazing guest, Alex, tell us about why and how he migrated from Next.js to SvelteKit. Web development and design, who would have guessed what we can do on both, even add a little zest. So turn up the volume, get ready for the best. Let's get it started in this episode of Compressed. What's up, everyone? My name is James Quick, and I am a full-time technical content creator. And we have, as always, an amazing guest on the show, and Alex Patterson, who's going to talk to us about migrating from Next.js to SvelteKit, which I'm particularly excited about. So welcome to the show. Welcome to the stream. Welcome to the podcast. Alex, do you want to introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. My name's Alex Patterson. I go by Coder Cat Dev, and I kind of created Coding Cat Dev a while back, and it's always been my hobby. And currently, I'm actually doing that full time now as well. So, writing some courses out there, and we're going to talk about all of the switch over from Next to Svelte and what's going on there. I've had three or four years of developer advocacy and before that architecture and for a long, long time SAP developer for years, but always, always been a huge web fanatic fan and love, love the world of the web space. Love it. And big, I mean, we get to say this about most of our guests, cause that's the reason we in, invite them to be a part of the podcast is like, I enjoy a lot of the stuff you do and that's cool to see you doing that full time. And I also, I think I already Miss said this at first, and I think you clarified maybe subconsciously or subtly, but I think you did it because of me saying it before. So your like personal brand handle is Coder Cat Dev. The website, the platform that we're talking about is Coding Cat Dev. Yeah, like, and uh, it probably confuses things. I probably <laughs> so it's one of these things, right? Where you have a great like James Q Quick, you branded yourself, and mm-hmm. for a long time I was on all different platforms as like my initials. Like I had A John P, A J O N P mm. on everything, and I was doing Coding Cat forever and owned the domain name A John P dot com. Probably still do technically, and it just wasn't working. And so I pivoted over and started Coding Cat Dev, and like it became kind of messy to separate personal self from everything else. And then I was like, well, I love the coding cat thing. I'll just kind of spin off that and do coder cat. It's honestly caused probably a a decent amount of confusion (laughs) doing it. (laughs) So it's one of those moves where like, I can't back out of it now. I have like GitHub and YouTube and like Mm -hmm. all those things correctly branded. I'm just not going back and it's fine. Like if you go to any coder cat thing, you're going to find coding cat. Mm -hmm. So it's totally fine. I was going to say, I need you to give me that same intro for CodingCat.dev's podcast. Like, that's such oh, a... audio. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I pitched this to someone else who was on the podcast recently. If you have an idea of like a couple of notes of something that may go in there, send it to me and I'll see what I can do. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. I'll loop some video around it. That would be amazing. Yeah. That'd be super cool. So I'm going to have to figure out the best way to phrase this. And the immediate question that people have, why move from Next.js to SvelteKit? And someone even commented in the chat, give us the real reason, not just some like fancy name for why you did it, which I think probably as a developer, it's like I wanted to do it as the answer. But do you consider yourself a, I don't know what the word, a serial try out new framework developer like do you is that something stereotypically that we all struggle with that you kind of struggle with a little bit of like okay i want to move this thing 
or I want to build a thing because I want to try out this new framework. Is yeah. that part of what the answer is here? Yeah, and so I would say I'm I consider myself a full stack developer for sure, mm-hmm. and we've had the front end of Coding Cat kind of switch throughout the years. And we had Hugo site for a while. What did we have after that? Gatsby, Gatsby after that. So React, and then I think Next.js was after that. But in, in the meantime of doing all of those hops, we also switched CMSs like crazy, mm. and so that's probably part of the serial nature. So I went from I don't even remember what the first one was now. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Then we went over to, I want to say sanity, and that's not the right word, is it? Sanity, yeah. Yes. We, we use sanity for <laughs> the compressive and podcast, absolutely. So we switched over to sanity, which is mostly headless. They have kind of their own version of a hosted site for the backend. And mm-hmm. it was always a frustration kind of dealing with like that hosting setup and things like that. So kind of got away from that, wrote a completely back-end system on Firebase. So we mm-hmm. were using that for a long time. Uh, are, you, got, are you a GDE also? Yeah, Firebase, Firebase GDE. So like most of the time I'm going to have a back-end, it's going to be in Firebase unless there's, again, something serial cool right <laughs> out there. <laughs> something serial and you get distracted. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we kind of moved over to that. And I think every time we started like CMS, I'm like, if I'm going to have to write all these connections and stuff and we're going to be in there, let's Mm -hmm. really examine the kind of the marketplace right now and what's popular and maybe we can get used to using it. And so every time we kind of switch back in, we were also rewriting it. And I say we, like me, uh, (laughs) 95%. You and yourself. Yeah. I always include we because Brittany is such a pivotal part to Mm -hmm. uh, coding cast, especially on the podcast. I always like to say we. So as we're kind of rewriting that, the best situation that we've been in so far is having Next.js as a front end and then swapping out the back ends for stuff that we needed. And so as we pivoted, we had that Firebase back end, we actually switched to Next.js. At that time, Gatsby was not, they didn't allow server-side rendering. Yeah, okay. so and that was their story for like a long time. Yeah. And it, to me, felt like Gatsby almost thought they were going to fight that wave and yeah. stay strictly static. And then they've, to me, just been playing catch up since like yeah. a lot of the stuff, it seems like they've done is just mimicking, like catching up to what Next.js has been doing for several years. Yeah. I think they were really worried. And, I, and thankfully like Netlify has, has picked up Gatsby, but I think they were losing a lot of market share out. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really good thing. Not in the static world. I think they were dealing with that just fine. I would question that too, just because like my big thing. And I think, Lots of people did this was like, I could still get the same static experience with Next.js, yeah. but then also have this other world that's of the exactly server. It. Yeah. That's, and there that's was, why we did it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And there was this like time where Gatsby was the thing. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was redoing their blog with Gatsby. And it's kind of funny how we go through these like fads, but that was like, that was definitively the thing at the time. Next.js, I heard more and more, finally tried it out. And I was like, huh it just, it works pretty cleanly to yeah. give you the flexibility of doing static and server. And now it's just gone like more and more to the server stuff, which maybe we'll dive into, or maybe not. I don't know, but it is interesting yeah. to kind of see the ups and downs and trends across different, different platforms and frameworks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So this is probably a really long answer to yes, I am a serial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying. Uh, anyway, it's the answer we all yeah. hope for. 
So in the Next.js world, we've switched out backends a few times in there too. And it's it's been nice to be able to, and I think that's part of their story is the tight coupling on Gatsby was always GraphQL had to be mm-hmm. in there and you had to yep. deal with it. And I think they, they do have a really powerful story now with the kind of that data lake situation. I think Netlify is going to do a lot with it. But for us, it was working really great because at the if we all remember like the CSR side of things, so the client side rendering. Oh, yeah. It's really You difficult. said CSR and I like blank. I was like, what <laughs> is that? There's too many. There's too many acronyms. Yeah, it's way too many. <laughs> so uh, it's really difficult to really lock down like courses and things like that and have mm-hmm. a paywall when you're just on the With client. Static. I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah. You can or, definitely do gotcha. it. So one of the big motivations there was Next.js to have the ability to statically render our blog, statically re- mm-hmm. render tutorials. But when we get into courses, we really wanted to like lock that down because yep. <laughs> there's some people calling us out on like, I can get everything with these 20 lines of JavaScript I can put in and get your like code. I'm like, cool. If you're that advanced, <laughs> you don't need to take my course. Like, It's totally fine. <laughs> you already know everything I could teach you. Congratulations, yeah. you passed. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fine in that context. And then Next.js really allowed us to get back to server side. We pass that token to Firebase and say, hey, just use sessions and kind of block people out. Can, um, I, can I ask you a quick question absolutely. on that? Yeah. yeah. One of the challenges with Backend as a service platforms like Firebase, Superbase, et cetera, is from an authentication perspective, they're really built to handle authentication. Their libraries are built for handling auth on the client. Yeah. Does Firebase have like a server side SDK for auth where you can tap into like sessions and stuff on the server? Yeah, so it's not the cleanest example of it. I think it's because of that. So I think a lot of these are always client-side first, but it it is pretty easy. Um, okay. So you typically still do the authentication because you need interaction, right? So if you're yeah. going through like Google Auth or whatever and you're doing a redirect or a pop-up, um, yep. that's still going to happen client-side. But when that comes back, you actually get the tokens coming in. So you get like an ID token. Mm-hmm. You take that ID token and say, okay, post this to my server and have it go authenticate and grab a a session token on the back end and then write that cookie out. So it has a session cookie established on the server. So then if you ever hit a server side page that you want to have that available, you have that cookie available and you can say, go check anything you want on the back end. So There is a story there. I don't think it's the cleanest authentication yep. like, setup, but I think that's almost all of these. I know that's how things were meant to be happening on AppRight. That's how it works on Firebase. Mm-hmm. I could probably go down the list, and that's primarily oh, how yeah. you pass that in and get that done. I think we will see more direct integrations from an SDK perspective from these platforms because yeah. of how big of a focus, like backend, server-side, stuff is becoming and yeah. the best example and i'm like slightly biased because i work there but all zero created their Next.js sdk it's beautiful it's absolutely incredible like the yeah. easiest way to add purely auth into a Next.js application i think next auth package people also love and it has almost the same api like the integration part and it's so so smooth because they kind of automatically generate the endpoints that you need behind the scenes for login logout sign up etc and so you just kind of like redirect or like send the request to those and it's taken care of for you and you can track the user on the server and the client 
really, really powerful stuff. So my guess, and Superbase has already done a little bit of this, is we'll see more libraries that assist with doing authentication front-end and back-end for SvelteKit, Next.js, maybe Astro at one point. Like Even though it's focused on static content primarily, like you can do API endpoints and auth inside of Astro as well. So kind of a fun, complicated world. <laughs> Yeah, I think just want to comment on one piece of that. So the next next auth is kind of switching names now. Oh, um, really? And Svelte actually is is utilizing that too. So they're technically, I don't know if it's alpha or beta or what stage it's at, but I looked into that um, okay. when we were kind of making this transition to go that way, but ultimately determined, like, I think it's still fine if you're using like Firebase not to go down that road quite yet. So I'll be curious and I'll keep an eye out on where they head long-term. Yeah. So I did know at some point there was next off and then there was like an equivalent of that. Although I didn't know if they were associated or not for Svelte, like maybe Svelte kit off. I'm not sure. Are you saying that that was like the same group and they're making more of an abstracted version of this? Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to, they're going to switch out next auth.js, I I think is the official title. And then they'll switch that over to auth.js period. Oh, that will be really powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's going to become, I think, very useful for all the auth people to really tie mm-hmm. into this, and it'll be kind of more open and standardized. So yep. it's going to be really nice. And yeah. like having that commonality between the two is, yes. is going to be really great. And that's the interesting thing. Like the logic there is the same. Like yeah. from from yeah. a like we need to do these things auth is the same across frameworks. It's just the specific details of the framework of how to do those that yeah. that changes. And I, um, I think another huge push is all the edge functions coming yeah, in play too. Yeah. So now that you can like on the edge tell you know who a person is down to like I'm a developer versus something else and rewrite the entire page at the edge, yeah. it's absolutely incredible and necessary to have that server side information. Yeah. yeah. Mike in the chat is saying I'm using SvelteKit auth JS next auth pretty solid. I still yeah. want to try that out. And I think that's gotta be the way that auth frameworks go you have to tap into the back-end capabilities yep and gooseman is saying back-end server side with something can easily help you integrate with open ai i would imagine would also drive the move to more back-end well it's also interesting because anytime you interact with an api where you need to you reference an api key you all of a sudden need a back-end like that's right that's one of the quickest reasons that people look for backend so that you can securely reference your API key. And so having API functions, API routes, endpoints baked into SvelteKit, Next.js, et cetera, is super helpful. Curious, based on kind of a comment question in the chat. So they have questions heading towards learning Node Express, now Next.js and React, moving towards serverless environment. Will this replace the standard backend? So I could kind of equate like maybe the standard backend being Node Express and having a React app on top of that or something. When you were in Next.js, was all the backend like API endpoints in Next.js? Did you have a separate Node Express server or was all the backend stuff that if you needed any uh, handled inside of API routes in Next.js? Yeah, so I would say the majority of our stuff was all in Next.js. And the only reason I kind of phrase it that way is we were still using a lot of cron jobs and things for background activities. Um, Ooh, and how so, did you do those? Yeah, so that that's yeah. all done on Firebase <laughs> functions. Uh, ah, okay. So it, it's kind cool. of a little bit of a tie-in. So anything 
I would say probably 95% of the stuff that was required for the website itself was run. And I always try to like, it's <laughs> tough to divide those lines, right? Yeah. And then it gets even tougher if you go CICD tool chain too. It's yeah. like, do I put in a GitHub action and it runs there? Or can I put that in? Like, it's I don't know. There's so many ways to do it. It's unbelievable. But for the most part, I was running no, no Node Express, nothing like that for service. Those were all coming out of Next and especially the edge function type stuff coming in. So at one point we were, and I'm curious how I'm going to do this since felt because I haven't thought about it yet. But at one point we have edge functions running so that in Next.js, there's a way to detect if you were hitting a page in Angular, my front end page would swap out to Angular driven content instead of having React content up front. And that was happening okay. at Edge instead of happening all the way down the chain. And I kind of walked away from that. I was just kind of curious about how it works. So, yeah, the big thing on Firebase functions is difficult. So for things that I know, no matter what our front end does, it's going to exist still. I put those into Firebase functions. So, for example, when our podcast goes out, once the entire stream's live, the post is up, all of that fun stuff on Anchor.fm, when that goes live, I also, I don't know if simulcast the right word, here it is again with these <laughs> bad words. I also push out my content to Hashnode and Dev.2 on an automation schedule. So all of the oh. boxes get checked and it runs, I want to say every half hour, it takes a look and says, is everything complete for this or not? And then it loads it up and says, yep, it is, go push these other avenues out. And I don't really want that pinned to am I on Next.js or Svelte. So that mm -hmm. type of stuff I kind of leave out there. Okay. Yeah, the edge functionality, whole new world. I think across the board, we're all kind of figuring out the use cases and how to actually take advantage of it and where and how. And then cron jobs up until recently has right. always been a challenge in the serverless space. And I have specifically added i have cron jobs added in the discord bot to to do automatic posts and things and i have a full node.js application running there to do that but more and more hosting platforms are now including the ability to do cron jobs and that like netlify and vercel i think both both have them i think vercel was more recent and then some people made some comments of like netlify has had this for a year again always comparing each other but it's semi-recent that those sort of things are now supported in platforms because otherwise you'd have to go to like running of running and deploying a full node backend yep. to do that. Yeah, it's a really nice setup. So there is it's tough. Like in my architecture days, there's like you can only get 90% of the way, usually like 70% of the way to a decision until you're like, we got to make a decision and go yeah. down that path until we like really hit something. So you figure it out one yeah. way or another, like it's going to work or it's really not going to work. It's it, a lot of it comes down to cost too. Like if you know you're yeah. going to serve out a billion messages, don't do it X way, do it mm -hmm. this other way. That's more efficient. So it, it's always a decision that you have to make for like, DX type yep. stuff versus scaling versus all that stuff. And I often with this site, even especially, I kind of get overrun by that. Like my architecture brain kicks in. I'm like, oof, if we hit a million visitors, it's not going to be great at this scale. And like mm -hmm. I start like really getting stuck on that. And Brittany's like, just push it out. Like, what are and you Brittany's, talking about? Brittany's like, we have a thousand people a week. They're <laughs> like, whatever the number Maybe. is, right? Like it's, it's far, <laughs> it's far off from like a million. And I think that's, it's a good sign to have that conversation internally, like to have that perspective of it's something yeah. we need to think about. But 
almost every performance thing is like you solve it when you hit the problem. Like there's, you can obviously do your research and due diligence and planning and stuff, but like really you're going to hit the problem. Then you're going to have to make decisions to fix it. What was, sorry, you want to add something? No, I was just going to finally transition into the question of why why did we switch? (laughs) So that was kind of where I was going. And maybe like, did you have Svokit experience before going into the transition? Like what was the Svokit experience is you're shaking your head. So maybe none. And then why, especially if there was no experience there. So if you're in this fellow community, I'm sure you know Brittany Postma. So Brittany is my co-host on Coding Cat and a person who lives 20 minutes away. Good friends now. Um, I'm y'all got to hang out the other day, by the yeah, way. That's right. I, I haven't met either one of you in person. Yeah. One day. You know, sorry, another side tangent. I finally signed up for another Disney marathon but in January and I was thinking I really need to get in a race so I can get, you have to turn in a time for that. I'm coming down to see you. Huh. Because there's some great races down by you. So in Memphis? Yeah. Really? Well, we will probably up. Yeah, we'll probably try to run St. Jude again. Oh, that's right. I forgot you um, do that. Yeah. So I'm running the dopey, which is 5K, 10K, half and full in four days. Like you just follow oh, those. I've, what? I've, I've done it in the past and it's super a lot of fun, but a lot of <laughs> lot of work. So yeah, Brittany is huge in this fell community and she's always like, you have to check this out. It's really cool. It simplifies like development. I'm always like, yeah, yeah, there's another front end yeah. framework. Really don't care about it. It has and a I, lot of promises. Like, and I read about it. I know about it. Yeah. Like, like I can talk about it. I'd never wrote a lot with it. Mm-hmm. And so when we were talking about, I, I've, I want our courses to be as open as possible and for others to be able to commit to it as easily as possible. And so I thought with our Notion backend, I can share out a page and anyone can do it. It's still a little frightening for people that I found. And we're also Notion API limits are a little rough too, which is why- and all of up. your content's in Notion? It is. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, I don't think we had mentioned that yet. Yeah. Sorry. So it's all all in the current site. It's all in notion, which can be exported to markdown. You can call the APIs and put it all together. So as we're transitioning into 2023, I'm like, I'm going to rewrite everything so that we can run it out of markdown. You can spin it up on your local host Mm -hmm. and have everything like you can do the content right there. And so at that time, it was like, I'm just going to do that in Next.js. And, you know, Brittany's in my ear like, why don't you do Svelte? Why don't you do Svelte? <laughs> Brittany, Brittany just sounds, in a in an amazing way, sounds yeah. like that nag that's always like, but it's you got to do this thing in a good way. Yeah, it's, yeah, because we both like love Brittany. It's like the one with the halo, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just that constant, yeah. you know what you should think about. <laughs> and I have to be honest, not having written a lot, it's a pre-processor processor for those who don't know. So I was like, ah, that could lead to big build times, things like that. And the more I got into it, it's incredible. Like it is an incredible tool. So I tried to go down this road probably in November of last year to start it. And SvelteKit hosted SvelteKit was rough, especially Mm. like on Netlify. Things were changing really fast and to the point where I'm like, we can't do this. Like, I'm not going to do it. Um, This is last November. Is that what you said? Somewhere around last, the end of last year. uh, And that was going good. Yeah. That was when they had gone through like big, big, huge API changes. Yes. And leading into their going 1.0, which after going 1.0 was like a huge milestone. You can kind of settle in, you know what you got for a while. But around that time, exactly like you're saying, there was definitely like some question marks of the transition to get to that point. 
And so if you haven't, or if you've, if you've been in the React world, there's MDX, which can take React components out of your markdown and utilize them in your page. So it actually renders them onto the page. The equivalent in Svelte is something called MDSfex, which is very... Tough name. Yeah. I can it makes really sense, but tough. <laughs> say it, right? Which is almost equivalent. Like you're passing in Svelte components and you can use those in your markdown. So when I switched everything over, I exported everything through APIs, converted it. Now it's all in GitHub in its own repository called content. So every piece its of- own separate repo, like not a I, folder. I and not to go separate repo again, okay. so that ease of use, like you can just clone our yeah. ours and run it. Have all, so when you said, I think you s- said content repo, but you mean a directory called content in the repo. Naming things again. Yeah. (laughs) And now I'm one of those people, but that was just for me clarifying to make sure I understood. (laughs) It's it's absolutely. So in our source slash content, that's where all of our markdown files are. So the interesting thing, when we made this shift, when we create those MD specs files, something that I'm still trying to figure out as far as performance wise, I think we can do a really great job of creating those server side or server-side rendered currently. And the issue there is you have to parse through everything. So if I want like all of my slugs are in our front matter, if I want to go through Mm -hmm. that, I have to go through all the slugs to be able to determine, is this page available, right? So that kind of like in my architecture brain is going, ah, we should have all this cache somewhere. So I'm not having to like run through all our files, process them and then find the slugs. So there's a little some things like that that are like, I don't know if I love that. And I'd rather do statically rendered mm-hmm. on most of that content and then just break out the like course lesson side of things where they're more locked mm-hmm. down and probably individually bring those out. So that's kind of a long journey to like the back end side of this, which we pulled all over. So we're, we're not hitting a live API anymore. We're not hitting limits or any issues on that side. The only concern as we grow is how slow that's going to be. Currently, I've left everything server rendered. So it's going to just... everything is? Everything is. Okay. Just to see performance wise, like how rough that gets essentially. Um, and this is this is the difference because you're not pulling stuff from a database. You're pulling it from Markdown, like in the source. Yeah, so it, it parses that source tree as it kind of gets hit, right? So if I hit my blog page, like blog listing page, mm-hmm. it has to go to the blog content folder. It mm-hmm. has to process all the Markdown and front matter. And then it has to find yeah. all the slugs and say, okay, here's all of the, the slug content going through. Yeah, that could definitely be... <laughs> Interesting. It definitely seems like a place where you could, at least on the like blog listing for anything blog, like you could definitely do the static piece for that stuff, I would think. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's probably where we'll end up. It was just simpler at this point just to kind of leave it started. Yeah. The converse of that from a authentication perspective, it's amazing how SvelteKit kind of I think we saw this with like Remix too, and Next.js now has their slash app folder. Layouts and pages are incredible in SvelteKit. That's probably what sold me on it the most. There, well, two things, that and <laughs> use effect probably is another one. <laughs> it just react and rendering just frustrates the heck out of me. So yeah. let me break that down a little bit. So when we kind of come in for our main layout page, everything gets encapsulated. So you can have a layout 
overall. So like think app bar header type stuff. We can then get into our blog post that has a different layout. We can go into our course, which has a different layout. And those are all kind of sub sub layouts, sub layouts yeah. as you go down the directory. The really cool part on the, the rendering story is I can go out to Firebase and say, hey, what's my authentication like at that top layout? And mm-hmm. once that kind of renders out to the front end page, as you're moving around the rest of it, that Not top having... level layout doesn't have to go get data again. Yeah. So there is no SSR hit on those kind of mm-hmm. lower pages. We also on like blogs in the blog layout, we can go fetch the top or the latest three blogs, the latest three tutorials, whatever, and put that in the sidebar in the blog layout. And as you switch between blogs, it's not going and refetching it's not all that, that content. content. Yeah. It's just re- refetching that single page, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of benefits as you go down that kind of same story. And it's the same if you look at Remix and the app directory on Next.js, totally the same. Yep. The main reason that we switch though is hooks <laughs> like or mm. or react and the way react renders it drives me batty like oh sorry so i was interpreting this in a different way so SvelteKit also has this concept of hooks that tap into like different stages of the server which i've never fully yeah dove into and understood so i was hoping you were going to teach me all about that but this is good too so you're talking about hooks and react like you mentioned use effect and all the memes exactly, and stuff that we yeah. see about how difficult it is, how tricky it is to debug, all these things. So you're talking about use effect, use a state when, in fairness, compared to Svelte, Svelte's really freaking cool and amazing and it's simple. super simple. And mm-hmm. it gets you back to JavaScript that you kind of yeah. know and love, right? Like, yep. I understand where a variable is changed. Now, there's situations there. So um, I have this... We can talk about this more, but <laughs> I have this one component in Svelte that says anytime it's updated or shown on the page, it's a table of contents, right? So in our blog, it parses all the headings for that blog as it comes through. Well, if that's on the layout and your page is changing underneath, how does it know when to switch out, right? And so mm-hmm. there's there's times in there where uh, now I'm like, ah, oh, this is just like React. It's frustrating. Like, why isn't it understanding? And there's things. Why don't that, you understand me? <laughs> there's there's things in Svelte that it's like, oh, well, it's super simple. It's not keyed, all right. Like you need mm-hmm. to tell it, it changed. So when this is updated, yep. swap that out, rerun it. So there's super easy blocks that are already built into Svelte, and this is not a Svelte kit thing. This is just purely in Svelte that understand and can do so much stuff in it. I used to write Angular two for the longest time. Angular. For those in the know, yeah, Angular two plus, <laughs> yeah, versus um, Angular JS, which is a tough, tough distinction, yeah. <laughs> and when we were doing that, like that two way binding and all of that fun yep. stuff, when you take a look at that, that is probably the hardest concept when you're like getting into these frameworks and stuff. Svelte kind of takes all of that nonsense yep. away, and like you are literally passing like. A component is the thing you always thought it was. Like it's got some props you can send in. If you're using slots, it's got some slot. <laughs> See, this is the name. What's the slot prop? Slot forwarding? It's called slot. Uh, well, I don't know. It's just we, like it's just children. Like the equivalent of children in React is called yeah. slot. And, um, and then you can, you can pass data back up through it though. So that, like on the parent level, you can say let, and then actually pass data into your top level slots as well. So it's kind of unique in that way. Um, I don't know if I knew that particular one. I knew there's ways to go back up. 
the chain. Yeah. I don't know if I knew anything specifically associated with slots. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to show you. There's a Firebase package that's really incredible. Jeff Delaney put together from oh, nice. Fireship. Hello, yeah. hello, Jeff. <laughs> hello, um, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of examples where he's using it because you're passing around. It's not really context at that point, but you can say, you know, in this slot of children data that you have, we now have data that you can utilize that we've mm. passed through. So okay. it's really incredible. Um, uh, I'll find the right phrase yeah. before I stumble the- around it. The t- big takeaway is wording is, yeah. is tough. <laughs> Daryl has a question. Are slots in Svelte like slots in web components? I don't actually know the answer to this, but do you actually know the is slot the same thing in like general web components too? Yeah, from for the most part, it's okay. pretty much the same. It's interesting on the on the Svelte side though, I feel like there's a lot of additional things. So if you're writing like <laughs> stencil or anything like that to create web components you're going to be very familiar with mm. how to do it in Svelte. Okay. It's going to be one and the same. Cool. If you're writing them raw, like more power to you. I, I wrote a ton of it in Astro. It was really cool. Hmm. Interesting. I still have yet to ever write a web component. I have no like actual experience with it at all. Yeah, if you ever go down that road, check out and just write them in Astro because it makes it hmm. super nice to be able to pass everything around. So I have this one issue in Astro that I just came across. So I... In my personal site and then the Astro course, the landing page, astrocourse.dev for people that are curious. The landing page is live, which I should start sharing people, sharing with people. But the newsletter needed like JavaScript. So I made it a Svelte component. And then inside of the Svelte component, I wanted to import a design component that I'd done in Astro, but I couldn't import an Astro component into Svelte. And I wonder if designing like as web components would make that universal in a way that I could import it in because I could import my Svelte component into an Astro component, but I couldn't do it vice versa. I couldn't take an existing like H heading to or wrapper that I defined in Astro and import it into Svelte, which I thought was interesting. I thought that would be able to, I was surprised I couldn't do that. Yeah. I think in that context, writing a web uh, native element would make more sense. Mm -hmm to pass around into Svelte at yeah. that point. Yeah, because really at the end of the day, Astro isn't, there isn't like a framework that is creating components that you can pass to Svelte at that point. Mm-hmm. Actually, I wrote this entire, I'll have to find the GitHub repo for it, but for AppRite, I wrote this entire thing for the Astro docs on how to pull in. And it's a blog that I kind of created how to do it. And there's a ton of use of native components in there. So oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I've That's cool. I've had a lot of fun. I've done a decent amount of Astro on my personal site, but specifically working on the Astro course landing page with with Astro has been fun. And this is completely separate, but interesting thing that we're gonna do with that course is tie in real authentication. So we talked about like Astro is really focused on static content for the most part. Like that's what it's most common use case is, but it also has the ability to do server side endpoints. Like we're talking mm-hmm. about a Next.js and SaltKit. So we're actually going to do like a full auth integration to to enable comments for people on blog posts, which I think will be fun. That is fun. That's really cool. I always get nervous on comments just for uh, the reasons you specified on YouTube and all the hate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely more from the perspective of demo perspective versus like actually enable enabling them on my blog because i think there's so much 
It's going to interact with the database. It's going to have auth. It's going to kind of do auth yourself because there's not really an auth package, I don't think, for Astro. So it's going to teach like those fundamentals. Uh, that makes sense. Good. Yeah. That's really fun. But, yeah, but not enabling that on on my current or my okay. personal blog. Gotcha. <laughs> that always scares me. I get enough comments in other places. <laughs> I, I've delayed enough, so I had enough time to get the name right. So I, I sent you a link. It is called Slap Props. And I okay. think I can do a better job of explaining it. So in their tutorial example that I shot over to you, what they have is a lower, a child component called hovering. And in hovering on the slot within it, they actually specify hovering as a prop. And so then mm-hmm. in the top level parent component, anything that they put in hovering, they then specify like hovering, let hovering, and they have the capability to pass that to any child within that parent. So in the slot data itself, you can actually access the stuff from lower down. Hopefully so you, that's, you, pa- it's, it's you pass a component. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you pass a component to the slot. Anything in the slot would be able to access that that variable. Exactly. Anything okay. we'll, we'll be able to. So they have in their example, they say let colon hovering equals active. And then anything that they're passing to that slot, they can say, if I have a class of active or my active class, I can then utilize that variable within there to show mm-hmm. it. Okay. So it's kind of cool. That's cool. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And it's, the benefit of that is because you're not you're not just you're not just passing a prop to a specific component. You're passing it to whatever the children slash slot component is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. and it's really beneficial. So like that thing I was talking about with Jeff, I think he's calling it felt fire. Oh, it's really perfect. awesome because you can say, all right, in my Firebase documents, I have a document as that kind of child one. And I can then pass all of the data for my Firestore document down to all of the child stuff I want and it'll put it through. Hmm. So it's almost like, I'm going to get this wrong because I'm terrible with React names, but it's almost like a higher order component in React where you can okay. kind of pass all that stuff through. Yeah. So what is, we talked about like a lot of technical details, comparison, Next.js, Feltkit. What's like, what's the current status of Codeine Cat? I'm trying to do <laughs> better you. about paying attention <laughs> to that. What's like the current status? Is it shipped with Feltkit? The new version? It's close. There's okay. still there's still a few things that are left out. And I, I think I'm gonna ship it when I ship the Svelte Svelte Kit Firebase course that I'm creating right now. And just Makes kind sense. of it's probably a horrible idea to ship a course oh, in well, the site at yeah. the same time. But uh I think that's the road I'm gonna go down. But it's really awesome right now. We switched out Algolia for search, mm. so you can now just do and it's based on Svelte Kit as their search. I'm going to get the name wrong on the search tool, Flex Search or something like that. It's it's an in-memory search tool. For, make sure I understand this, like four-year static, like four-year markdown content? Yeah, so the markdown content, we actually, let me find the package name real quick. This is, and you're saying you were using Algolia previously. Now, since you have all the content embedded markdown, but not Astro, Svelte has a search tool that, kind of does something similar, but for your local static embedded content. Very, so I shouldn't say Svelte has it. It's a package that okay. um, actually is... That you can use in Svelte. Correct. Okay. Yep. And you could, you could use it anywhere, actually. It's called... I just had it. it starts with that. That's a really Flex cool search. idea. 
Flex, Flex search. search. Yeah, if you want to look that one up, it's amazing. So we already have that piece. And actually, if you go to dev.codingcat.dev, you can preview the new site with that search capability. The search styling, and this is part of it not being done, is really rough. So just keep that in mind. But right. like, I can search for James Q Quick already out there. It's not hitting any, any APIs. And what? here's your podcast that you did with us, Unlocking the Jam Oh, this is cool. So this Maybe. is a, if people go to that website, so just to repeat, dev.codingcat.dev. And I'm here now, and it has the, shows you the command at the top, which is command K. I see this on lots of documentation sites. And it's one of the best things. Like, it's so, 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 so handy for people to have this. And so I'm curious, the Flex Search package, does it give you any UI? Because what you have is when you hit that shortcut, it pops up the dialog box and displays all the relevant results. I'm assuming that package just gives you a function call to tap into to get back results. And then you added the UI on top of that yep. for handling the shortcut, for popping up the dialogue, and then displaying the results and linking to those pages. Is that right? Bingo. Yep. This is cool. This yeah, is really it's, cool. It's got fuzzy search included. Yeah. Too. So it's really amazing. And what we always had to do in the past, so again, back to kind of those Firebase functions, when we were updating data somewhere, So when it was in Firebase, it was really easy. When I updated a Firestore document, it would immediately hit trigger a cloud function. And that function, I could then push data to Algolia. No problem. Later on, they came out with an Algolia extension that did all of that same stuff. So I didn't have to maintain my code and it all naturally went, right? Then we moved over to Notion and it was like, well, shoot, now I'm back to like, every time I update Notion, I need to trigger something. Mm -hmm. So like a web service or a web hook, I should say, or maybe a cron job if that's fast enough just to get it over there. Now it's like, I don't need to maintain any of that, those pieces under there. And you can just do it in memory. What it does is there's actually a route that is sitting out here. And again, I don't want to claim like I wrote 90% of this code. This is out of Svelte Kit. There is like a sub package that they use for all their UI stuff. And I think they're changing Mm -hmm. over this felt site as well, like the documentation site to use a lot more of this stuff. I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to use this. So a lot of it is just from there, or at least following along with what they did and just kind of utilizing it in our own. So that's so cool. That's a really amazing feature. I'm thinking, Oh, I'm in the, I'm in the totally wrong world. I was like, I wonder if I could add that to my Astro course, but I wonder if Astro you has totally something could. similar. You could totally well, add guess, it to your Astro course. Yeah, I guess it's not. Yeah, because you said it's not specifically felt. It's just, yeah, okay. Yeah, you just need a way to <sighs> serve it though. And on Astro, you're still Vite, right? At that point. So it does use Vite. How would that work? It's been a minute. Yeah, I don't know the services on Astro. Is there anything yeah. you can run server side on Astro? Yeah. So I have SSR enabled on the course landing page and for mine, for my and personal can, site. And that's to handle like subscribes. API? Uh-huh. Like you, yep. can, you can create an API input. Okay. Yep, Sorry. Absolutely. It's been a minute for Astro. No, um, yeah. So, yeah, all you'd have to do is create the content that this thing's going to absorb out to one of those APIs, and boom, you've got it. Shout out to some other search tools too. Uh, Melly Search, if you're just looking for Melly, one with a UI, M E I L I. Okay. Melly Search. 
really sort of something. really awesome open source uh, tool that you can yeah. just host and push out. So it's another option as well. I love the world that we live in <laughs> where I just, I get so excited because of, and it's one of the things that's overwhelming about our industry is yeah, how many things there are at any given point, but it also just gets me super excited how many amazing tools there are yeah. to add whatever sort of functionality we want and or need to the things yeah. that we build. I think there's two sides to it too. Like if you let yourself become overwhelmed with it, like it couldn't be too yeah. much. But I think on the flip side, it's important to know the pros and cons of all of this yes. stuff. And, yeah. you know, like and make when, decisions based yeah. on the requirements. Yeah. Like, like when I look at Algolia, fantastic product, it'll probably blow this out of the water. But again, it's someone else hosting it. You're paying someone like, what is, mm-hmm. what does that add yeah. up to? You know, if I was in an enterprise and we had money Absolutely. Go use it. Yep. Like It's fantastic. Melly Search is probably the next step down where it's like, I could host this for five bucks on DigitalOcean right. or whatever and push data to that. But now you're kind of having to keep up a backend. Like, yeah. Is that something you want to do? I don't know. And so it kind of gets back to our, the question we had in the chat before, like, now I can run my own server-side function with this in it that produces the data that you can search. And boom. I'm back to like, you can run this on localhost, no mm-hmm. shoving around data. So it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I like that. Maybe one more question, then we can get into wrap up. So a question from Willie V. Coming from back end to more front end, what styling frameworks do you pros mostly rely on? One, I wouldn't consider myself a pro. I am super big on Tailwind CSS yeah. uh, for the last eight months, probably. Like I use Tailwind for every demo that I create to the point where when I have to write regular CSS, I, st- I struggle to remember it. Like I had to look up or not look up, but it took me a second to realize how to make something bold <laughs> in regular CSS. Because uh, Font bold? <laughs> yeah, in, in Tailwind CSS, it's the class font bold. And then I was like, what the hell is the like selector in regular CSS, which is font weight <laughs> bold. Yeah. Um, People- so yeah, I've been, I've been using Tailwind for a while now. I love it. People that really uh, poo-poo Tailwind Mm-hmm. Uh, they it's things like that they're like yeah. ah you're ruining css you won't remember it but it's either write your own utility tool and do the same exact thing or use yeah, or use something amazing yeah i won't ruin my plug so i'll okay. tell you more about the ui on, cool. on, on coding cat after we yeah. get there perfect well maybe do you have any like any last thoughts like what are just in a in a minute or so what are your feelings so far about the migration is it worth it you enjoy felt you enjoy felt get any specific pain points or problems that you still have left, left to solve? I wish Svelte, Svelte and SvelteKit were the first framework created because it yeah. takes so much pain out. So yeah. having, and that's not to like, I worked with Mishko over at Builder. Mishko mm-hmm. created Angular, which was probably the first oh, I didn't know that. Like yeah. framework that was created, yeah. right? They did a ton of work, right? On all of this stuff. And we knew what we knew back then. And the world's right. changed with serverless and like, you know, a million things have changed. But honestly, this gets, you're basically writing JavaScript for the most part. It's the things that like take forever to write. And this is kind of comparison to Tailwind too. When you're having to write like document dot element and query and find, okay, here's the div now and I have it. Now I can do stuff with it. Instead of that, just actually writing the markdown and the JavaScript is kind of off in its own world and you're not like having to manipulate the DOM all the time, like manually. It's just great because (laughs) you are still almost in that world. And yet, like it has the flexibility for just enough of the niceties 
that you can say, okay, I don't have to like go bind an element myself. It's just done for me. I don't have to do like a listener on a click. I can just put on click, like all those little things that are necessary. It's great. I mean, it's what jQuery was back yeah. in the day. Like it just made everything so much easier. Right? Yeah. Here's like a kind of under the radar feature too. You mentioned like just saying on click. You can also for a form, you can do like on submit and then add on the directive or what like i don't again going back to words i don't know what it is but you can add a directive if that's the word of prevent default and now you don't have to write e dot prevent default again <laughs> there's lots of little niceties in yeah. there like angular 2 plus has i i don't know if they're like directives like that and pipes that you can do transformations and stuff like there's some really cool stuff there yeah but it does seem like it took really nice features from different frameworks and it came after view angular react mm-hmm. and kind of put them into like will accomplish the same thing, but also nicer syntax kind of yeah. all the way around. I love and it. Having like the components, isolated styling, like just from yeah. the get go and mm-hmm. making sure like you don't really think about it when you're writing it, but like understanding like it's all pre-processed, like that takes me a second too, because I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to wait for the DOM to do X, Y, and Z. No, it's, it's doing it server side and producing it. So there's so much of that stuff you don't have to think about anymore because it's shipping that JavaScript and HTML all at once. Like code examples, right? So you do a code block. You used to have to like worry about the front end and styling all that stuff. Because it's like already pre-marked down and you have all your classes, I don't have to worry about that so much anymore and like how long that's going to take to load a prism.js or whatever package down the line. Like it's just done for you. So I I think you can finally tell like my excitement level (laughs) on Svelte. It's it's pretty finally got you. Yeah. Yeah. I think Svelte Kit really pushed it over the edge for me, for sure. It was easy enough using Astro just directly, but it's really like come Astro directly or Svelte directly? Sorry, using Svelte within Astro as like a pick pick Svelte when you're like doing the Astro setup or whatever. But now just saying Svelte create and you're like in your own world of Mm -hmm. Svelte, it's, it's just beautiful. It really is. 100%. 100%. I love it. <laughs> Do you want to move into last section, which is our picks and plugs section? So this is where we share something that we've enjoyed as a pick, something we watch, read, used, bought, doesn't have to be tech related, and then plug anything that we want to plug as well. Are you comfortable starting? Do you have a pick and plug you want to share? I do. I don't have links, but I can get them to you later. Cool. Hopefully. So for my birthday, no, for Christmas, my wife bought me this warmer, this keyboard warmer, not keyboard, keyboard, but for like my hands on my desk. It is amazing, James. (laughs) So I live in Michigan and I work in our basement and, you know, in Michigan, it can be zero degrees Fahrenheit a lot of the winter and I'm always freezing. I have a little heater in the corner and it's not enough. Like my extremities are still cold, even though mm-hmm. the warm, the room's like at 65 degrees, my hands are freezing. She bought me this thing and I will never look back. I, it's incredible. It has a little setting. It's got three different heat settings on it and I leave it on the lowest and that's just enough. And I just find bad. Whether I'm just typing, my arms lay on it, so it like radiates the heat up mm-hmm. enough. Or if like I'm talking with you right now, I have my fists kind of closed, and they're just sitting on this nice warm pad, <laughs> keeping warm. So I've I didn't think it would work for the longest time because I never have my mm-hmm. hands down for the most part. I'm always typing on the keyboard like crazy, but it's been fantastic. It's a really but good pickup. 
Never, never in my life would I have envisioned <laughs> such a thing. But now I'm curious. Oh, it's it's fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> and so what about a plug? Yeah, my plug. So when we decided to do the UI, when I decided to kind of rewrite that side of it, I really wanted to dive into to Svelte. And so I, like you, love Tailwind. And I've been using a lot of Daisy UI and checking out things. There's a lot of little things that you need in a site that are a lot to write. It's pretty painful. So like a modal, for instance, is probably one of the roughest things that you have to write. It's It just takes a while. It's not like it's a difficult thing to like understand. So I, we started researching stuff and Brittany was like, hey, check out skeleton.dev. I loved it. It didn't quite match exactly what I wanted. So what I ended up doing was I took skeleton.dev as the base. I didn't actually fork it because it's not going to be identical to what we end up with. And I created Black Cat UI. So mm. if you go to blackcatui.com, it's going to look very similar to Skeleton in all of its setup. And when I say very similar, it's identical. Mm. So thank you, Skeleton. Like I don't, <laughs> I, I give shouts in there wherever I can that it's originally based on Skeleton. I don't want to be perceived as someone stealing someone else's work. No. But the cool part is now we can customize all of that UI kit and anyone else can use it too. So it's Tailwind CSS, but it allows all of the CSS variables and themings in themes. So you can swap out the theme however you want to. The great part though, is that we can continually keep adding Svelte specific components too. So it's not just Tailwind, it's also got components in there. So like I have a modal component that is already created for me that I can use to pass data in. And it just uses Svelte specific things like a store. So there's a modal store that you use to actually mm. trigger the modal up. So it's just wonderful. I, I love using this. Huge shout out to Skeleton though. Like if you don't want to work out of Black Cat, please go to Skeleton and check that out. They're going to continuously keep building that out. Whereas mine's going to be when we have time and it's going to be specific to Coding Cat. So things that'll end up in here are like Firebase will end up as part of this package and other stuff like that. Wow. That's cool. I think I've heard her mention that before. And I had looked at it and it still looks like really, really cool. Yeah. I always kind of... When you're teaching, it's tough. When you're teaching across frameworks, it's tough to like really kind of set in on something like Skeleton because it's specific to Svelte or Black Hat mm -hmm. UI. But Daisy UI is just Tailwind, pure Tailwind. So it's just mm. classes and things like that. But in that, you kind of lose out on like that, like the store I was talking about, like things like that that are specific to Svelte. Wow. Yeah. You lose out on. So it's a tough kind of road to, or a tough balancing act, if you will. Wow, um, I, love, cool. I love to offer up UIs that you can use across all of the different packages yeah. or frameworks or whatever. So That's cool. I love yeah, that. It's fun. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out more with something, some sort of demo. That's There's never enough time. That's the overwhelming part again. Never enough there's time. never enough time to do all the things <laughs> I want to. Cool. I'll do picks and plugs. So my pick is a set of very cheap rubber wedding bands for say for men, but my wife has them too. So I guess just for people in general. So I bought a $300 ring when we got married, which I thought was cheap in comparison to her ring. And I, there's nothing about that $300 ring, which was tungsten and heavy and 
there's nothing about that I loved. And recently got like a set of, let's see if this will focus on here, a set of just rubber silicone rings from Amazon, like four or five for 15 bucks or whatever. And they're great, like especially playing sports, like super easy to take on and off. If I lose them, obviously it's not a big deal. Have more. So yeah, I've been really enjoying this. It's super lightweight, which is really, really nice because my other one was really heavy and I didn't love that about it. So anyway, there's a link in the chat and in the description if you're on the podcast. People want to check that out. Again, for like 15 bucks, you get three or four of them. And then I will plug my Astro Course landing page. So the course won't launch and I probably need to add like a call out bar for like estimated launch. But course will probably launch like late July, early August. But the landing page is up with ability to sign up for the wait list. And so I'll use that to send out updates, tips and tricks, and then also an exclusive like launch day discount to people who sign up for the wait list. So you can find that at astrocourse.dev if you're interested. I'm so happy you brought up this ring thing. I'd yeah. kind of given up wearing mine. And since we're just in the house mm-hmm. all the time, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. This is kind of fantastic. Did you ever get, like, I have the same thing, tungsten $300. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get that, like, pain in, like, your, your finger ever? Or, like, uh, I don't think so. basketball and it, like, swells up and you're like, ah, just have to take it off? I I think mine was, like, just big enough originally. It was probably a little too big. So, like, if it... If it swelled, it probably like fit more naturally. <laughs> but just bulky was the yeah. big thing for me. Yeah, mine was driving me nuts, and so I've been without. And my wife's probably like, "Yo, come on, you should still be married." <laughs> like I never leave the house; it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> this is a great uh, idea. Yeah, get, if you haven't gotten one for Christmas, I'll get you a pack for Christmas and send them to you. <laughs> what a guy! What a guy! I know. I always find the cheap gift to. I always step in and offer when there's a cheap gift on the table. That way I don't have to spend too much. And I look good for doing it. <laughs> All right. That is going to wrap it up for this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review to help other people find the podcast so we can continue to bring on amazing guests like Alex. Alex, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Great to have you. In the meantime, that's all we got. <laughs>